45. The Law. Excerpts. Frederic Bastiat 1850. Claude Frederic Bastiat, 1801-1850, was a French economist and writer. He was a prominent member of the French liberal school. If every person has the right to defend, even by force, his person, his liberty, and his property, then it follows that a group of men have the right to organize and support a common force to protect these rights constantly. Page 4. Since an individual cannot lawfully use force against the person, liberty, or property of another individual, then the common force, for the same reason, cannot lawfully be used to destroy the person, liberty, or property of individuals or groups. Page 4. When a portion of wealth is transferred from the person who owns it, without his consent and without compensation, and whether by force or by fraud, to anyone who does not own it, then I say that property is violated, that an act of plunder is committed. I say that this act is exactly what the law is supposed to suppress, always and everywhere. Page 17. According to their degree of enlightenment, these plundered classes may propose one of two entirely different purposes when they attempt to attain political power. Either they may wish to stop lawful plunder, or they may wish to share in it. Page 6. The results of legal plunder it is impossible to introduce into society a greater change and a greater evil than this, the conversion of the law into an instrument of plunder. What are the consequences of such a perversion? It would require volumes to describe them all. Thus, we must content ourselves with pointing out the most striking. In the first place, it erases from everyone's conscience the distinction between justice and injustice. No society can exist unless the laws are respected to a certain degree. The safest way to make laws respected is to make them respectable. When law and morality contradict each other, the citizen has the cruel alternative of either losing his moral sense or losing his respect for the law. These two evils are of equal consequence, and it would be difficult for a person to choose between them. The nature of law is to maintain justice. This is so much the case that, in the minds of the people, law and justice are one and the same thing. There is in all of us a strong disposition to believe that anything lawful is also legitimate. This belief is so widespread that many persons have erroneously held that things are just because law makes them so. Thus, in order to make plunder appear just and sacred to many consciences, it is only necessary for the law to decree and sanction it. Slavery, restrictions, and monopoly find defenders not only among those who profit from them, but also among those who suffer from them. If you suggest a doubt as to the morality of these institutions, it is boldly said that, you are a dangerous innovator, a utopian, a theorist, a subversive, you would shatter the foundation upon which society rests. Page 7. Slavery is a violation, by law, of liberty. The protective tariff is a violation, by law, of property. Page 12. But how is this legal plunder to be identified? Quite simply. See if the law takes from some persons what belongs to them, and gives it to other persons to whom it does not belong. See if the law benefits one citizen at the expense of another by doing what the citizen himself cannot do without committing a crime. Page 13. 
Legal plunder has two roots. One of them, as I have said before, is in human greed. The other is in false philanthropy. Page 17. When a politician views society from the seclusion of his office, he is struck by the spectacle of the inequality that he sees. He deplores the deprivations which are the lot of so many of our brothers, deprivations which appear to be even sadder when contrasted with luxury and wealth. Perhaps the politician should ask himself whether this state of affairs has not been caused by old conquests and lootings, and by more recent legal plunder. Perhaps he should consider this proposition. Since all persons seek well-being and perfection, would not a condition of justice be sufficient to cause the greatest efforts toward progress, and the greatest possible equality that is compatible with individual responsibility? Page 20. But what do the socialists do? They cleverly disguise this legal plunder from others, and even from themselves, under the seductive names of fraternity, unity, organization, and association. But we assure the socialists that we repudiate only forced organization, not natural organization. Page 22. A confusion of terms socialism, like the ancient ideas from which it springs, confuses the distinction between government and society. As a result of this, every time we object to a thing being done by government, the socialists conclude that we object to its being done at all. We disapprove of state education. Then the socialists say that we are opposed to any education. We object to a state religion. Then the socialists say that we want no religion at all. We object to a state enforced equality. Then they say that we are against equality. And so on, and so on. It is as if the socialists were to accuse us of not wanting persons to eat, because we do not want the state to raise grain. Page 22. If people are as incapable, as immoral, and as ignorant as the politicians indicate, then why is the right of these same people to vote defended with such passionate insistence? Dot, dot, dot. If the natural tendencies of mankind are so bad that it is not safe to permit people to be free, how is it that the tendencies of these organizers are always good? Do not the legislators and their appointed agents also belong to the human race? Or do they believe that they themselves are made of a finer clay than the rest of mankind? Page 48. Please understand that I do not dispute their right to invent social combinations, to advertise them, to advocate them, and to try them upon themselves, at their own expense and risk. But I do dispute their right to impose these plans upon us by law, by force, and to compel us to pay for them with our taxes. Page 49. They need only to give up the idea of forcing us to acquiesce to their groups and series, their socialized projects, their free credit banks, their Greco-Roman concept of morality, and their commercial regulations. I ask only that we be permitted to decide upon these plans for ourselves, that we not be forced to accept them, directly or indirectly, if we find them to be contrary to our best interests or repugnant to our consciences. But, again, if persons are incompetent to judge for themselves, then why all this talk about universal suffrage? Page 49. Essentially, Economics is the science of determining whether the interests of human beings are harmonious or antagonistic. Page 51. I invariably reach this one conclusion. 
the solution to the problems of human relationships is to be found in liberty. Page 56. In short, the happiest, most moral, and most peaceful people are those who most nearly follow this principle. Although mankind is not perfect, still, all hope rests upon the free and voluntary actions of persons within the limits of right. Page 57.